0: Haiti was a place that needs God, and Exodus 20 is where we find ourselves, and it's funny because when we're going through the word, like verse by verse, I kind of like it because it turns out a lot of times like where we are, there we are, if that makes sense, like very deep, right? Um, because I'm sitting in Haiti and I'm trying to process this thing, and if you only got to like word six or 700 in my blog, you probably didn't find this, but... Um, this was a nation born on the backs of freed slaves Um, and it's recorded that it's the first nation that was born on freed slaves and that's not accurate because Israel was Israel was a nation that was in slavery for four hundred years, and Haiti had been in slavery for fifty to hundred years. So you would have had people whose all their, the only life they would have ever known, people that would have been born into slavery because that's all they knew. Was they were property. They were owned. There was no education. There was no uh, training or formal of any kind. Because if you know, if if you're in, if you've owned, like you don't, like I don't take my dog to school, right, and as. You know, crass as that is, that's what a slave is, is a property, a piece of property in the mind of their owners. And as damnable and abhorrent as it is, that's what it was. That's what Israel was. And so for 400 years, there wouldn't have been a single person alive in Israel that all they ever knew that all their grandparents, all their great-grandparents, and all their great 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 grandparents knew was slavery. That was the only life they knew. They wouldn't have been educated. They would have been a rural people. They would have been subservient So it actually begins to make sense because what I saw was a nation, an example of a nation born of slaves that started without an education, started without principles, and started without a God. And it actually made like this perfect sense. Of course, the first thing God would do with three million recently freed slaves is take them to the desert and take them to school. Give them the law. You know, the, "Thou shalt not kill" seems like a great idea, right? And we take it for granted that that's a, of course that we I wouldn't kill somebody, right? But if you were in Israel and that's what you saw that people get killed for no good reason, that's just it, you know what I mean. It becomes a part of the culture at that point. The coveting and stealing and things. I mean, right now when you see a, just a nation like the piracy going on in Somalia, these are sixteen-year-old kids. We can tell them this is a bad idea all you want, but all they see are rich kids, rich pirates, because they were rewarded for this work. So they don't know. And so when God took Israel to the desert, it was absolutely made sense that he would not only give them the the top 10, then he takes Leviticus to say things like, and I swear, it's in the Bible, right? If you got to go to the bathroom, get a shovel, go out of town and bury it, okay? In Haiti, that's not what they do. They go downtown, (laughs) and they don't bury it. Do you know what I'm saying? But that's just just their culture. They don't know. Nobody sat down and said, hey, these are things you should do. These are meats that you shouldn't eat, okay, if you're in the desert because there's no proper temperature. There's no proper keeping of the meat and those things. And so don't eat this meat. It'll kill you. It wasn't God, like, setting up this gigantic, complex, like, giant game of whack-a-mole so that every time they screwed up, he could just smack them over the head. It's like, no, no, look, don't... uh, do these things because they will kill you. They will hurt you. They will, as a society, if you don't, if you keep stealing from each other, it will kill you as a society. So it's interesting, though, that when you, in Exodus 20, which is not Isaiah 46 where I am. By the way, if you see this page of my Bible anywhere, um, laying around, <laughs> uh, it's page 191, just the triangle. Let me know. I needed it the other day, and I'm like someone get me, Joshua? Anyway, um, by the way, have you ever done, like, um, I did this a lot with my kids, the little uh, number, draw the picture by the numbers thing, right? You go with them in numerical order, right? Because if you don't, it's all out of whack, right? I think that in the commandments, you have to go in order with them because they build on each other. They're uh, in order in a number. And it's probably why James says if you broke even one, that you're just monumentally screwed. Because you've broken them all. It's like a chain of 10 links. If one of them breaks, you're host, right? So he opens with, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, which is kind of a big ticket one, right? Keeping in mind, Haiti was born in a nation, and, and you weren't here earlier, I told you I actually witnessed the voodoo service. It's completely stupid, but it's like completely dark, and there's a church service going on, and I hear behind like these Wah! kind of noises and screaming. And, and so I, I'm like just completely like I walk over to the voodoo service, which is about 25, 50 yards from the church in complete darkness. And I kind of got a little uh, flip video, kind of a little Blair Witch kind of looking thing, like you see me kind of like illuminated, and then it's dark. And and you hear in the background all this noises because I can't get quite close enough to video it before I realize... This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. It's pitch black. These people all have machetes. <laughs> you know, what am I doing? So I'm like, I'm hightailing it back to the, to the church. <laughs> and I'm like, please don't tell my wife I did that. Um, in the, in
1: the screens, in the- That's right. Yeah, on the video,
0: the, there's a little three-year-old girl who, um, when a bug hits her, it's literally like somebody stabbed her in the temple. Like, just,
2: Ella. Ella, yeah.
0: So that happens. That startled me. Um, and that was like not—I was not by the church. It was so loud it picked up on the camera. Like anyway, so long story short, I think what happened was they actually I said this too—that I think somebody stuck me in the pin, like a little Darren voodoo doll in the in the stomach with a pin, which is what happened to my stomach like a week after I got back. But um, Haiti was a, a nation born not worshiping God, not Jehovah. There was no God. It was a uh, there were other gods. It was the voodoo. And if you go research it, you see that it's like God of nature. It's very, very demonic. So a nation that said, they, they start with this principle, thou shalt have no other gods before me. They got plenty of them, okay? And at first you think, we could just camp on that, or I mean, we could just move on with it because I don't have any other gods, right? I, don't, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't have any statues. I don't know. Does anybody have any, you know, idols hanging out at the house? Right, any, you know, okay. Okay. Um, because it doesn't seem to make any sense at all in this day and age, because you could think, right? I got this one handled. Like, I've never bowed down to a golden calf. I've never danced naked in front of a statue of any sort. Um, I've never been to the voodoo and, and jerked. And, and by the way, they do a lot of the jerk and stuff. Like, it's, it's weird. Never done any of that. But when you look at the God's that they had options. And I only picked four of them, by the way. There were a myriad of these gods that you had to choose from, all right? Which is kind of weird. But one of them was the god Baal, or as it is pronounced in the Hebrew, Baal. It's Italian or Italian. I'm going to go with Baal, because I feel weird saying Baal. (laughs) It's appropriate, and it's proper, and we've recognized it, and I'm still going to say Baal. So... (laughs) Let the record show. <laughs> it's like the little stenographer back here. It's Baal. 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 Remember Baal, the god at Carmel. Okay, Elijah, they're going to call down fire. Very specifically, that's what Elijah decides to do because that's what Baal does. He's the god of power. Calling down lightning. That's, and if you remember it, right, what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Because they called down fire and nothing happened. And we're going to see in a minute in Isaiah 46 why that is. But this is the God of power, of control. And you think, now we're getting somewhere. Because power, I mean, I watched this, I haven't watched it all season. But I'm home last night. I'm in a semi-trance because my wife has gone for going on the, you know, five business days, which every day in a home with children is a business day. Um, and so I just literally collapse into the couch and I flip on the TV and there's uh, Donald Trump on the Celebrity Apprentice, okay? Me too. That's the it. only
1: one I've seen. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, At which point my daughter makes the appropriate <laughs> statement. Maddie kind of wanders downstairs and says, what happened to her talking about Joan Rivers? And she says,
2: <laughs> she says, that's
0: disturbing. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. And she says, Dad, I think that sometimes it's just better to grow old naturally because that didn't really work and um, yeah she said that out loud and she was very earnest and honest about the whole thing she really meant it and so but you got Joan on there and this is literally just a show about power right donald trump is a guy of power and it's set up about his power and uh, cuz it is i mean it's about wealth but it's about power it's about gaining control and winning the game and you got this powerful woman sitting by another powerful person in this powerful thing Power. It's a God that we strive for, that we can strive for, to be in control, which is, I have an, uh, what some would refer to as maybe an obsessive-compulsive need to be in control, because I like to, even just driving, I know that's stupid, but if I'm not driving, you guys ridden the van with me, um, I can't sleep anyway because I'm not in control, and it freaks me out, but it's a God that we have to do away with it's a god that can absolutely rule our world. So Baal, there's Mammon. Okay, there was another god that they worshipped. Jesus, we've talked about this before. When Jesus sets up the juxtaposition between, you know, you can't serve two gods. He doesn't say God and Satan, right? He says God and Mammon, money, the root of all evil. Now keep in mind, it isn't money, isn't the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. It is an it. You cannot serve two masters. One will hate, you'll hate one and love the other, vice versa. Money, mammon, isn't it. It's a spirit. It is a demonic thing that takes a hold of us, our love for it, our, and, I, and I'm not saying this to brag at all, um, but when I first started getting involved in the stock market, I knew that it was becoming a God to me because one of the first things that I would check every morning was how's my little portfolio doing. I just wanted to know. And I actually, and I feel, and I say this only because I feel like I've gotten somewhere with one thing in my life, right? You know, there's like a hundred other things at any given moment, but this one was something I'm getting the handle on. That I haven't opened my Raymond James statement since like last August, okay? I know it's not good, right? And if it's anything to do with what the market is right now, it's really not good. But I just, I honestly don't think about it. Now, eight years ago, I thought about it a lot. You know, I would open up. I, I don't even have internet. This is to show you how much I don't care about it. I don't even have internet access to it, to the online account like I used to. I'd be like looking at it and checking on it. And the next day I'd check on it. And not that there's anything wrong, especially if you're making a living in those areas. But you, you know, you understand when it's in your heart, you know when you're there because you can feel it. You can begin to notice this pattern. You can look at your checkbook. Everybody's like, What? What's a checkbook? You can look at your, You can look at your online bank statement, okay? With your debit card, <laughs> and just you know what, try it one time. What are you spending the most on? What are you blowing your cash on? What is it? And look, the great news—I can make a statement like this with impunity because I don't take your money. This is me, your buddy, your your you know, not as creepy uncle. You know, um, just saying something real honestly with you. That look at your checkbook. Look at your. I'm so old. Look at your online debit card statement. <laughs> what are you spending the most on? Look at your credit card statements. What how did you? What did you? What did you buy to get there? And you can begin to see in a hurry that the god of Mammon is a seductive god, is a powerful god, and it's one that we all. It's the same god then and today. Mammon. You can look and see that if you've and a lot of us in this room, we've given our money to what's going on in Haiti. We have. Given, and and, and a lot of us don't have much money. And that given that five bucks or the 15 bucks or whatever is literally an act of worship and an act of saying, This is not my God. I'm giving it to the Lord. Um, Ashtaroth is a god of pleasure. And I did a little Google on it, and it was a female goddess. I didn't get this on Wikipedia, by the way, that had exaggerated features. It was a goddess of pleasure. And when you see in First and Second Kings, when they talk about the high places and the astroth poles, okay, these were places where they would go up into the mountain and, I mean, literally just go Hugh Hefner on it, like straight up, girls next door, orgies, okay? And they did it as an act of worship. And of course they did it kind of like that happens today, which is, well, we, we have no control over this. This is the God's demanded of us. And, of course, in our world, this is just who I am. It's how I'm made. It's how I'm wired. I, it's just who I am. That's why when you go to a place like Haiti or Africa, and they say that, well, we've got to teach them about uh, birth control and about condoms and, because they can't help themselves. And the fact is, is there is one absolute and total, perfect, guaranteed way to not catch any STD, specifically HIV-AIDS, which Haiti right now is the number one in the Western Hemisphere, 30,000 people a year dying in Haiti from HIV. Just don't. you Don't be promiscuous. It's, and again, it's like God is setting this up not because it's some buzzkill. It's like, look, here's what's going to happen. I, I'm God. I'm smart. This is what's going to happen if you do this to yourself. You will go here. So Ashtaroth, the god of pleasure. So you've got Baal, the god of power, Mammon, the god of money, Ashtaroth, the god of pleasure, and Malach was one that really caught me off guard. I think it's M-A-L-A-C-H, Malach. Was a god, the only way I can explain it is practicality, the anything you do, anything you gotta do to get it done. Again, it's exactly like what we saw in The Apprentice. I just played it this way because this is how I'm gonna win. Got to do what I got to do to get it done. But follow this. The, the way that they worshiped this god, okay, and this was about getting, uh, getting prosperous in their business or prosperous in their uh, ventures or their lives. They would, and this is really harsh, the Astaroth itself, i mean, sorry, um, Malak itself was a, a golden, I mean, a uh, steel iron statue, okay, with its arms outstretched like this. Inside the belly of Malak was open and they would keep an open fire going in Moloch at any given time, 24 hours a day, kind of like that uh, flame thing at the ORU. So this flame, inside the belly, those that have never been to Tulsa have no idea what I'm talking about, sorry, (laughs) obscure reference. These arms would be outstretched because the parents, listen to this, this is horrifying, but to this day they find when they're doing searches, archaeologists have uncovered little earthen jars with little infant skeletons in them. Because they would take their firstborn, as a, and it's again, I'll do whatever it takes. This is proving to the god Moloch that I will do what it takes. I'll give it all to succeed. Put the, the infant in the earth jar and place it into the scalding hot arms of this statue where it would fry the child to death. Promised, keeping in mind, that this baby would come back. In the form of the next child that they have, so they're in their minds they weren't killing a child. There's just a piece of flesh where it will come again, and it's a horrifying thought. And, and what would happen? It was actually in the Valley of Tofit, I think. If, if that's not right, I apologize. Which meant drums, and the reason it was drums is they would drum loud. It would you did didn't you? Drums, rock and rolls of the devil, kids, just you know, um, beat the drums loud because it would drown out the sound of the screaming of a mother or of a child that was dying. And as a father, first of all, that's not cool. It's horrifying. And there's a couple thoughts. One is how could anybody do that, okay? And the first thought that comes to my mind is well we do it, what, 0.5 million times a year with babies in their own mother's bellies that are burned with saline solution and salt and murdered in their wombs. And that's an obviously a literal thought of what's happening right now in our country. But the second thing that's more metaphorical, that, that me anyway, that I think about is whatever it takes, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to put my kid away for this time and I'm going to go do whatever it takes to make my business succeed, to make my company, to make my... And, and men can fall into this trap. Young married guys, listen to me, especially. You can fall into this trap where you've got her now, you've conquered, so to speak, you know, good caveman. And now it's about your career. And you don't, even, so you don't even consciously do it. It's a subconscious thing. And you do it with your kids. It's easy to fall into that trap of Moloch if I you know, and I can look, I can justify it with the best of them. I've got stuff to do. I've got a phone that's blown up. I've got things to do. And my kids can easily take a back burner. I can easily sacrifice my kids to the God of Moloch without even thinking about it because it's what I gotta do. I gotta do what I gotta do to get it done. These gods, these shall have no other gods before me. And if you're writing this down, I would give credit to a guy named John Corson because I actually heard this from him, but he says that there are three things when you're looking at this thing number one it's a premise okay? and the premise is just that you shall have no other gods before me and these are just four of the examples of the gods that they had that actually absolutely still apply today the second thing is that it's a prophecy in Isaiah 46 just go right to the middle of your Bible Isaiah 46 listen to this this really was captivating to me verse 1 it's on page 649. Bell bows down. Bell, by the way, another word for Baal. Okay, the God of power bows down. Nebo, which is wisdom, the God of wisdom, stoops low. Their idols are borne by beasts of burden. They're carried. These are heavy. These are burdensome. The images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. Interesting. When Jesus would say, "What that my, come to me, you who are weary." My burden is light. My load is easy. This is not the other gods. And keeping in mind, by the way, this is Christianity, Judaism. is the only religion that says you'll have no other gods before me. The others, they had other options, okay? There were other options out there. This is the only one because God knows that these, and I, can't, I wish I could find the passage, but there's a point where I remember, I'm pretty sure I remember Jesus saying that the other gods are liars and thieves. These other gods are lying to us. They're robbing from us. And when we go to these, whether it's power or pleasure, these things that seem like they can fulfill us, it's a lie and they're burdensome. Jesus, on the other hand, is telling us the truth. And it says this in verse two, they stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden. Interesting, the burden being the gods. A God that needs rescue is no God at all, right? They themselves go off into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob. All who remain of the house of Israel, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and carried since your birth, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. Interesting, us, we want to carry the gods. We carry them. They're burdensome and saying, No, I want to carry you. You've got it all backwards and all wrong. I've carried you since your birth. And keeping in mind, this is the prophecy part. Not only is thou shalt have no other gods before you, a a, a premise to be built on, but it's a prophecy. It is a truth. You will have no other gods before me. It says that these guys will bow. One day, Jesus says, we will all bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. This is a a statement that is prophetic. And it goes on to say, and this is why. It says, you whom I've upheld since you were conceived, you've carried since your birth, even to your old age and your gray hairs, which I've got a few of those. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, I will carry you, I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on their scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god. They bow down and worship it. They lift it, now listen, verse seven is the key. They lift it to their shoulders and they carry it. They set it up in its place, and there it stands, we put it in its place. We got our God, that whether it's my job or whether it's my career or whether it's money or pleasure, whatever that God is, I've got it in its place. And there it stands. From that spot, it cannot move. And this is the key right here. And this is if we can get anything, if I don't leave with anything else tonight, if I don't teach anything else to my kids as they grow up, it says this though one cries out to it, it does not answer, it cannot save him from his troubles. I was in a nation that was full of other gods that they have cried out to and that God has not helped them. The God of voodoo has not helped Haiti at all. And you might recognize this when you in your life, when you come to that hard spot and we're all going to come to them. Those horrifying things, those tragic things that happen in our life. And I want you to know that if that happens, when it happens in my world, if I cry out to my business and to my career, it isn't there. It isn't going to answer me. It cannot help me. I'm crying out to pleasure to that lifestyle that I've chosen, it can't help me. It just leaves me empty inside. It's a burden. It's silent. It can't help. The truth of the matter is, is that any other God that we put for form, it's just a lie. It's stealing of my time. It's stealing of my future. It's lying to me. And the lie is that I can find fulfillment in that, right? And think about it. I mean, just this is really elementary, right? Was I ever fulfilled in Bible college when I was pursuing the Ashtaroth God? No way. I was bummed and I was blue and I was torn up inside. And I kept trying. And it never worked. Never did. When I was pursuing mammon, when I had my little company. And when it fell apart, I had nothing to show for it. The God of Mammon and I mean, if you've ever had to go home and apologize to your wife for losing a quarter of a million dollars, you haven't lived. I'm just saying, kids. <laughs> Honey, I'm really sorry. Those houses we've been looking at? We're moving to Laverne, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, because it wasn't there. There was no help there. And I didn't look. I wasn't out there thinking I was bowing down to God. But if you were to look at my, my online statements at that point in my life, man, my, my money... I mean, I gave my 10%, don't get me wrong. My my, my wife did. But we spent on whatever we wanted to. You know, we weren't prioritizing giving that mammon back to God, giving it as a thing away. Though, it, though one cries out to it, it doesn't answer. It cannot save him from his trouble. The third thing is that it's a promise. You'll have no other gods before me. It's a premise, it's a prophecy, and it's a promise. First Samuel, I cannot remember the chapter, but the Philistines carried off the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember this? If, if you don't, go back to Sunday School, mind. And they carried it back to their camp. And in their camp was their temple and their god, which was Dagon. Okay? Dagon it. Dagon was a merman. Okay? Like half fish, half man. And it was like top man and like, you know, like like what's the, the mermaid on, uh, the man-made on uh, Little Mermaid, the big one. Um, <laughs> Titan, yeah. It's like that. That's their thing. And it's like this giant statue of this giant Titan. And they bring in the Ark of the Covenant. And they, they go to bed. They get up the next morning, and Titan has fallen on its uh, fish butt. Okay, And so the Philistines, again, a god that needs to be rescued. There's no god at all. They pick up King Titan. They put him back up into a spot. The next night it happens again, except for this time, the hands and the feet are broken and the heads broke off. Okay, So the Philistines, in a move that is completely inexplicable, Decide that these gods can't get along. They don't like each other. They put one, they're going to put a god in time out, so they, put, they take the Ark of the Covenant, which was the Ten Commandments, which we're talking about tonight, and they send it back to the Israelites. <laughs> but it's a promise to me, and it's a promise to you, that little picture, that our God is that God. Any God that tries to enter our lives when we're embraced with Him, when we're walking with Him, they just fall over in his presence anyway. Whether it's mammon, whether it's pleasure, and maybe it's age, I don't know. But in my life, I've really come, I'm starting to figure this out finally. And it took me a while. And I had to screw it up a lot. And I didn't, you know, you, it's like when you get to be my age, which, you know, is not terribly old, but it's not terribly young. You really do get some life behind you. And you begin to realize that everything I did, that in those moments when I did turn myself over to God, those other things all fell away anyway. You know, I honestly, I can say with, and not, and it isn't because I can brag about it, it really is just the Lord. I don't ever think about the fact that, you know, we were when we were at this little company, Shikari, which is a Hindu word for big game hunter, for those of you that wonder where I got my IM name from, um, 95% of our customers and clients were of Middle Eastern descent. And so as a headhunter, we chose the name Shikari because that was the Hindu word. And they all, oh, I love your name. That's what I know what it means. Um <laughs> And we, of course, we put an E with a line over the top of it because we were economy, but e-commerce, the new, anyway, we were, we were clever. We were going to be rich. Like, we were doing our deals for half cash and half stock. So we were doing, and I mean lucrative deals. And I mean, we, I could paper the bathroom in my downstairs bathroom right now with that stock options, and they would be worth more there than they are in the lockbox in Brentwood where they currently reside. Because they're worthless. But here's the point. I don't think about it. I just don't, I don't fret about it. I don't, I'm not bummed about it. And it isn't because I'm so smart or so spiritual or anything like that. i just got some life behind me. It's, it's really what, I mean, when you think about it, if you, if you ever think, and I'm, obviously I'm not your pastor, but, you know, a pastor or a Bible teacher, just think of us as a guy that's been in the hospital a little bit longer than you have. I kind of know my way around. I know, like, the, the, where the, when the good food is. And, you know, I mean, I just, you know, I know which nurses are nice and which ones aren't. I mean, I've just been around. I know longer. I've been in the hospital a little bit longer than you have. And one of the things I've figured out is that I mean, we had 100,000 shares pre-IPO in this company that was a $200 million wireless application company, and it wasn't if, but when. They had filed for their IPO. No vesting period, which meant I could cash out the day it went out. And in six months, it was gone. The company doesn't even exist right now. If you go to buriance.com, it's owned by some nickel and dime operation out of Tampa, Florida. $200 million, just gone. Because Mammon was not a god at all. And when I cried out to Shikari, it wasn't there. It didn't answer me back. And to us tonight... Whatever the word for the Lord for you is, is that I know what it is for me, and that's that I'll have no other gods before Him. And I'm not, I, I still to this day, I struggle and I figure it out as I'm going along, just like you will. But remember, just the ones we talked about tonight pleasure, which is Astroth, mammon, money, Baal, which is power, and Malak, which is just practicality. Got it. Whatever you got to do, you got to do. Those are four gods that we can easily get involved with that are still alive and still well, and they may not be a little shiny statue downtown. But they're alive and well in our hearts, and we need to put them away. So Jay, uh, before, as you guys, if you want to start set up, actually, Jay shared something with me right before that really jumped out at me, and I, I if you wouldn't mind if you'd listen to him and actually give him your ears as well. Um, as I do the multi-camera shoot here.
3: <laughs> I'm going to illustrate a point, and I'm going to use people to do it real quick. Three, um, stand up quick. I know, visual aids. I don't have any pie charts, though. Okay. So, for now, you're going to be Israel, you're going to be other gods, and you're going to be God, okay? So, stay <laughs> Dude, God is emo, man. <laughs> right. you... yeah. you okay. ahead, so, here's how we usually read the verse, right? You should have no other gods before me. So here's what it really means. You should have no other gods before me. Like in my face. Don't have other gods in front of me. Not in some you guys can speak. Not in some sort of numerical order, right?
0: Numerical order like
3: okay, so you can have other gods, just make sure like they're lower on the list. What God is really telling you if you look at the um, the original Hebrew word what he's saying is in my presence other gods cannot exist. There's no space for them. There's no place for that. Hmm. And it's funny because we've been trying to do this in some form or other since the fall of man, right? That's the first thing man did is man hid. He tried to get out of the face of God with his sin because he had put something else. He had, he had, he had done something inside the, the Lord and then tried to hide it. Um... So I was talking to Darren. I was like, man, that just jumped out at me. Like, okay. Because I usually I don't have any other guy. Like, make sure your priorities are straight, right? That's the message that I've always heard. Right. Make sure that your your world, earthly priorities are straight. And I'll try to make this super quick. I don't know. It's kind of late. But there's a few verses that I want to run through um, about things that we should do in the sight of the Lord and what is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Hmm. Like, if this is what we're not supposed to do in the sight of the Lord, which is. And, have other gods, then there's there's definitely some biblical stuff to have in the sight of the Lord. I First to yeah. um, 1 John 3, 14 uh, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brother. Whosoever has uh, the world's good and sees a brother in need and closes his heart against him, how is that the of God? children, uh, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in need of the truth. We will know by this that we are the truth. And ensure that our heart before him. And whatever our heart condemns us for God is creator and those all things. Um, don't be condemned. them down. whatever we ask, we receive him. Keep his commandments and do these things that are pleasing in his sight. Hmm. So and you know, I maybe wow. come back to this later. But this kind of goes through a bunch of these commandments and gives it application. Um that
0: yeah, because what we're doing—I'm sorry—I mean, But John, what we're doing with conduit is in his pleasing in his sight. Absolutely. Because we're it just talked about that passage of see his brother in need and helps him and serves him. You know, that's pleasing in his sight. That's, I don't know. But, yeah,
3: absolutely. That, I mean, yeah. Sorry, you probably already
0: know that, but i Well, we can. You know I want to come back to this kind one of
3: time. So, um, but yeah, that, that's what's pleasing in sight—that we that we don't have hate in our heart for a brother, but that we show love that we act love. The, the you know, in opposition, to having, the way to not have other gods before him is to do with pleasing in sight, and that's to to live outside of ourselves and to serve and, and to love. Um, and, uh, uh, uh,
0: that was pretty good, I gotta say.
2: Uh Psalm uh,
3: 16, 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Shall I lift up the cup of salvation? Or I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I'll pray my vows to the Lord, oh may it be in the presence of his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. And the thing that I got of that is one thing that's precious in the sight of the Lord is a life for him. Like as we give whatever from the time we start serving the Lord, the time that we die, as much of that as we give to Him that's pleasing in His sight, um, the cup of salvation, and, and we give our vows. And this comes into later. we the other commandments about, you know, committing adultery. Um, so the way to fight against committing adultery is to be faithful. And there's different points in Scripture that talks about taking vows and being committed in those vows to the Lord. It's a way to be pleasing. First um, Peter three, four. Uh, but let uh, it's t- this section is talking about what's beautiful and women adorn themselves with like, you know, jewelry and all this stuff, and it says that's not really the point. Let in the hidden person of the heart, with imperishable quality of gentle and quiet spirit, this is precious inside of the world. So it doesn't matter. Like doesn't matter. <laughs> aesthetically what you've got going on because the thing that is beautiful inside of the Lord is your weakness, your ability to be to let him make you humble and to walk in that. First um, Peter 2, four through five uh, And coming to him as a living stone which has been rejected by men, but which is precious in the sight of God, you also are a living stone. Uh, this basically just says Jesus is precious in the sight of the Lord. But we are like Jesus because we also are living stones, and so we can, as we become like Jesus, be precious in His sight. Hebrews thirteen twenty one. I urge you, brethren, bear this word of exhortation for I've written to you briefly. Uh, equip you in every good thing to do His will, working that is pleasing in His sight. Rised you up from the dead, the great Shepherd of sheep, the eternal Father, put you in every good thing to do His will, working in us which is, is in His sight. So as we seek to do His will, we do that which is pleasing His sight, and that's just a being connected to the Holy Spirit, trying to hear His voice and, and follow things. And then the last thing is uh, First verse one, one three, constantly bearing in mind of your work of faith. Labor of love and steadfastness in of hope and in our Lord Jesus Christ in this, in the sight of our God. So, these are the things that we're supposed to do inside God, in the face of God, in the presence of God, is to be in mind of our work of faith and labor of love, steadfast in our hope in Jesus Christ. That mm.
0: I guess it's an interesting checklist, right? Of like, okay, we know what we're not to do. But it's just like anything in life. We spend a whole bunch of time trying to not do something. Rather, maybe we should spend that energy trying to do something in that place, and then the other will just die off. And, you know, that energy could be better spent maybe uh, in those. That's excellent. Those five. Five? Passages. Um, We have a real treat tonight because we have a fiddle player. (laughs) And he's from Texas, so it is a fiddle. We, We clarified that. Explain to him that in, in Oklahoma or Nebraska, where I grew up, we didn't have fiddles at all or violins. We had uh, recorders, Um that's what we had. So, Jeremy is back, and his uh, since he's last joined us, uh, his they had uh, scooped the inside of his nose out with an ice cream scoop. They call it sinus surgery. <laughs> so they basically peeled his nose off and scooped it out, and then put it back together. No, they didn't actually do that. So they, they can
1: actually.
0: That the he side side mine. So <laughs> he
1: can, <laughs> Yeah.
0: So he can sing now is what I'm saying. And really didn't snore in Haiti, unlike me. He
2: snored in Europe. I
0: did. He's still swelling.
1: I think he just fell asleep too fast.
2: Yeah.
1: There were actually Earplugs. multiple times where I'd find Darren in the room, like I'd go in and brush my teeth and come out, his laptops open. I was like, should I shut it?
0: I'm still trying to run a business from Haiti, and they had Wi-Fi. What are the chances, you know? And at any moment, the electricity was going to go off. So work while you can, you know. Jesus said to make hay while the sun is shining. Actually, he didn't say that, but he should have. Um, so... Did
1: you guys have the Internet every day while
0: We didn't have to. There's Wi-Fi. What? In
1: the-
2: Wi-Fi.
0: So, anyway, I'm sorry. Jeremy, it's all yours. Um, you
1: know, there's not enough of the layer sheets to go the whole way around. I friend... So, if you can share, I just did it real fast. I was running late. So, if you know the songs or you
2: can see really well, make up.
1: So, I'm just going to pray real fast before we start. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the words that you gave Darren and what you gave Jay tonight, God. Thank you so much for every week, just a little bit more, just drawing closer to you, God. Thank you for the the trip to Haiti and for myself. It was definitely a a life changer. As as we get used to just being back in this place, God, I pray that we don't forget. What we've heard about you, what we've seen in places like Haiti and Africa, just places around where, you know, for us it might be a little bit easier while we're there just to feel like we can see you and hear from you, God. But for those people, they're, they're just grinding out the, the daily tasks of life, God. And I pray in this moment as we take some time at the end just to reflect and worship you, God, that you just be here. You know that you are, but I want to welcome you here definitely not about any of us here guys it's all about you yeah. <laughs>
2: from the clouds a strange love to sound I hear it in the thunder and the rain it's raining in the skies like candles in the night the music of you in the first place we're singing you are hope red and night. The moon and the stars declare who you are. I'm so unburdened, still you are. Your the oh, glory of the power is your heart, oh, glory of the glory power is your son, your heaven, We're singing, you are holy, great and night the stars, ever and all, so unworthy. still, you love me forever. My heart, you sing without grace. Heart. We're singing. Sing that again. We're singing you are holy, great at life, the moon and the stars, the glad who you are. I'm so unworthy, and still you love me forever, my heart. We're of how great you are. to talk
1: feel like we're just touching the surface of what, with this group, with conduit, how much we can reach, how much we can change this world, in a world that's so used to just holding the money, spending on whatever they want,
3: to be a place where we can give
1: freely and we can help each other Yeah, not because we get anything back, nothing, just because we're supposed to, God, but that's where you are. God, thank you for giving us a place that we can use where we can come together and we can just sing a few songs and just study your word, God. Just take a little time out of our schedules, God. pray that you're blessed by this too. I so it's sing in your name, God. Amen.
0: Thank you. I know it's eight thirty-seven. You know, heroes is over <laughs> 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 Who cares, right? I mean, ever since the writers from Days of Our Lives took over that show. So go awkward anyway. Um, but does anybody have anything to jump out of the night one or two yeah, I mean, that's been kind of a valuable part of our fabric of who we are. Did anything jump out that you, as you were looking at this tonight? If not, that's cool. No pressure, but. I just want to make sure that you know you have a platform to to speak as well. Tony?
3: Um, I did find it fascinating. Because it didn't strike me as you said something about it. And I don't know if it was entirely from the lesson, but how you referred to um, the nation of Israel becoming a nation after being slaves mm-hmm. and, um, and how the rules were, that you had for going out to the desert because you wanted to lay it out for affection and, and keeping them safe. He didn't give why to do. He just kind of gave them yeah. the here's the rundown. And the, I don't know if I thought of it that way. Like I thought it was just um, kind of like uh, here's my heart in this or here's what I want you to do right now. But it was more like you'll die if you don't do this. Yeah. Not because I'm gonna kill you. The bad fork will kill you.
2: Yeah,
0: God's not a real big God on the why, whole, the whole why thing, <laughs> like, one of the questions that I've put on the list that I can't take with me um, is that he, he's not big on the why. I mean, literally, look at it now and think, oh, this makes complete sense. Why didn't you just say, God, oh, because the meat will rot, and it's pork, and it can have, you know, but no, just don't, just don't, because I said so, which I've informed my kids if that answer is good enough for God,
2: <laughs>
0: good enough for me. So um, yeah and i think that honestly that's why it's so important with the church in Haiti because what we're what in in Africa in any any impoverished area we're not just going in there and teaching them arithmetic right it's not just geography and social studies and history but it's like an edu- it's a god education somebody write that uh, down i'm i'm i'm, I'm done I'm, on that note i'm going home a god education um, because those are simple things. I mean, honestly, you know, uh, UNICEF isn't doing that. You know, they're out there handing out condoms like they're ketchup packets, and but we got churches down there saying, "Look, don't, just don't." This woman, you know, your body is your own. I mean, you should have seen when we were when we did the the talk that night. In one of the, uh, the we had a, a lactation expert, which is kind of funny. Anyway,
2: let <laughs> that sit in for a minute.
0: Um. <laughs> was one of our but you know, it was like a perfect fit for who we needed. God put the exact right people on the team that we needed, everybody. And here's a lady that can teach these women how to um, how to breastfeed their kids. But but one of the things she talked about was uh, and Jeremy made a comment in his blog. If you go home read that at Jeremyhesleb.wordpress.org or dot com. Um, it was funny to listen to the cause we're all eighth grade boys at some level, listen to the Haitian translation of like the uh, anatomically correct names of body parts. But anyway, um <laughs> but uh <laughs> Like we were, you could just watch Jeremy li- giggling from behind. Um, <laughs> the only reason I felt okay is because my
1: W. Smith looked like with laughter. Yes, you're so yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> somehow that makes yeah,
0: sense. It makes sense <laughs> Some of those words were very funny in, in uh, Creole, <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> but they're teaching them that you know this is something that these women with three different fathers of five different kids had never really thought. Hey, my body's mine. Like there's a reason for the whole fornication. Don't do that thing. You know, you're out there just cranking out babies, and then the fathers under their hand are, you know, being told, this isn't a piece of property. Th- that's, a, that's the God part of this education. We're not just saying, oh, we know you can't abstain, so we're going to help you. You know, this is, a, this is some big rules and laws that God put in place. And so um, it's why it's important, and it's why it's important, um, like and except whether it's Africa or right here. And the, again, these are things we take for granted. We kind of think, oh, doesn't everybody know that? The answer, no, not so much. I mean, uh, anyway, so for what it's worth... I think that was, that to me was kind of this like crowning moment. I kind of talked it out with Jeremy a little bit in the hotel room of like, this is it. This is what happens to a nation that's born in slavery that doesn't have a God, that doesn't have rules and principles and laws and, you know, that are set in motion. So, anybody else? I heard a story back because every time. And every time
3: I'm just like completely amazed.
2: My whole faith experience I'm just kinda of cut out. Just, just yeah. skip it and, you know, check it Right.
0: Because your boil, whether it's clean or unclean, yeah. is really of no interest.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what's really cool about it, and I I won't I swear I won't do this to you tonight, but like almost every one of those things there's this beautiful picture of Christ in them. Like it's this amazing God was not only you know, practical, but there was also this ethereal spiritual thing. And, and, it, and I think it's part of it when it says one day I will fully know as I am fully know and I'll have these moments of like bingo. That's what he was talking about. So, anybody else? I do thank you. Um, Sebastian and Farah and Neptali and all these probably would have thanked you, but they couldn't get here um, for what we're doing. Here, if you have not gone, um, pray about it. It's the cheapest mission trip I've ever seen. Like $767 door-to-door. June with Bucky. You're moving it? Okay. Um, okay. Which so the
1: right time, because I refuse to go in July. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy and I... Oh my God. Yeah, we
0: put the kibosh on summer trips to oh, Haiti. Wow. <laughs> We're like, no, no, no.
3: Because,
0: I mean, May was like you're walking around in somebody's mouth the whole time. It's just like...
2: <sighs>
0: um, and honestly, like somebody who hadn't brushed their teeth. You're walking around in somebody's mouth who hadn't brushed, because it's like it stinks and it's hot. It's like... <sighs> anyway, um... Oh, December 27th to January 2nd from Teresa Swain. Um... Because what you'll see, and what I loved was I saw little kids that actually know our people. Like, they know David, they know Bucky, they know... I mean, talking to little Sebastian, who Bucky and Kimmy sponsor, they totally know him. And Sebastian, in his broken English, says to me, he looks me dead in the eye and he says, You give me money. (laughs) Which was the funniest thing I'd heard until I heard one of the little boys, who was like five or six years old, lean into Lindsay to give, him a hu- give her a hug and says, I love you, baby.
2: <laughs>
0: That's right, Lindsay, right there. Oh, yeah, we were howling. No, it wasn't. We really. Like, um, but 767 bucks door to door. It's, you know, it's a short flight. And, you know, as Teresa says, we're enabling the church to be the church in their community. Because we've got down there is we've got this church that absolutely, I mean, I'm talking dead smack dab in the middle of abject poverty, okay, is doing this work. And the bad news about that church doing that work is that the 10% of zero is zero, okay? So you've got a pastor who has no means to do this, but he has a heart to do it and faith to do it. And so what we've done is our five bucks here or 50 bucks there or 5,000 there is absolutely funding this operation. You know, and what I saw was a church that was like a pastor. I mean, imagine trying to talk my wife into this. like 75 kids are coming over today and tomorrow. And, you know, it's like, and they just literally, the church, his house is not even as big as this room. I mean, it's like, you know, and they cram 70-some kids
3: in this place. And, I mean, it is like a crock pot, like slow roast. They put all these.